welcome to another episode of The Visitors Might Be Listening. We're back, everybody, here to discuss the third and final film in the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy, War for the Planet of the Apes. It's the culmination of our year-long saga to watch all of these films and then talk about it in a uh, small, cramped, dark room for an hour. I'm your host, Lewis Ryan, and I'm joined again by my two fabulous co-hosts. Which one will I introduce first? I don't know. I'm going to keep you in suspense. Just kidding. I'm going to introduce him right now. Let's start with Mr. Mike Levito. Um, I feel so honored to be introduced first, and I'm so glad we're getting this podcast in before the virus goes live and I can't talk anymore. (laughs) Good. Yeah, definitely glad that we're all living to do this uh, podcast. Um, uh, Chris, how are you doing? Are Are you sick? There, pleasure to be with you. The, I, I, I don't know that I, I did receive a small doll in the mail. And so... <laughs> now I just realized what Mike was trying to say. I thought he was just talking about COVID with the upcoming flu the, uh, season. The actual yeah. pandemic, not the yeah. theoretical pandemic. I, yeah. I did get all my shots, though. And according to people on Twitter, that means that the emergency alert we all got a couple days ago <laughs> triggered <laughs> the Marburg inside me. But there's a 20-day incubation period. So we are, we are, uh, we're, we are you know, getting... Right under the wire for that, though. Keep us posted, and if you follow us on Twitter slash X, you can stay up to date with all the information regarding that. Yes, that's still weird to me that he did that, but it's it's surreal to me that that has happened since our last podcast. Like, <laughs> it's been like two three months. Yeah, I I know, but like still, that's weird to me. I don't know. Oh well, yeah. Then he switched it to X. Yeah, yeah he did well, that he, in that late he's July, been... I think. But he's also, the weirder part is he's been trying to do this forever, that apparently back when he was part of PayPal, he was trying to change PayPal to X, and they were like, no, of course not, what are you talking about? Like, it's so dumb. I was suggesting to um, the Brain Trust here at the Post Rider that it would be a good time for us to change our branding to Twitter. Ah, hey, the second the second they get rid of the URL, we're on it, man. <laughs> but we're not here today to talk about Silicon Valley tech tycoons we're here to talk about talking apes and what's the difference really Ah, bored apes something there that's what the next film will be about sure the 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 next ape is going to be a bunch of cornelius uh, launches a silicon apes buying bored humans yeah (laughs) yeah but before we get started we have our last icebreaker question because i am still absolutely terrified to talk to you too (laughs) and we need something to you know break the ice as it were and i i came up with nothing so just going off the idea of the andy circus being the lead in these films and vaguely being aware that he's in andor he doesn't play andor i believe um he's he's just in it Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know, so whatever and i know you two have watched andor i think i don't i don't know if mike finished it i, I did Chris i did probably yeah. did otherwise he wouldn't say it was better than the wire <laughs> but did i say i'm gonna that? put I th- you did at one Sorry, point man. say it was like something like the newest version of the wire uh, yeah that that's that'll stand by david simon wept i'm gonna put 30 seconds on my stopwatch <laughs> and give you each um uh, free airtime to say whatever Wait. you want about Andor. So, so we each get thirty seconds, or we have thirty seconds combined. No, no, no. You each have thirty seconds. One of you will go first. Okay. And then one can provide the rebuttal, as it were, mm-hmm. or the the concurrence, or whatever. Um, the okay, ascent. Okay. We'll find out. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna put thirty seconds on my stopwatch. So Chris, why don't you go first, and then uh, we'll have Mike do the uh, response. This is like the uh, State of the Union. All right, 30 uh, seconds. L- let me know when to start. Now. Uh, yes, as you stated, uh, Andy Serkis is a part of it, Kino Loy, a, a small part of a one-episode arc that is some of the greatest acting I've seen uh, out of Andy Serkis, and I think in general. Uh, Dega Lina uh, plays uh, an actual scoundrel incredibly well uh, that this entire series actually shows, unlike so many of their Star Wars properties and so many even comic book properties now. That it's not like a real world of interlocking peoples. It's just sort of this sort of theoretical Time. Group of folks. Oh shit! <laughs> I, th- I thought it was longer. All right, Mike, thirty seconds starting now. Uh, I enjoyed Andor generally. I thought it was fine. It's probably the best Star Wars thing to come out since like uh, they started making Star Wars stuff again with The Force Awakens. 
Uh, however, I do think the praise was a little overheated. Not saying it's bad, just a little overrated. And part of that problem is I just don't think Star Wars is a rich text in general. And so I don't get a lot out when they're trying to like have these people have like discussions about like space Marxism. It just doesn't do a lot for me personally. But I enjoyed the uh, the Prison Break episode and... Time! <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> it's great to have both of your opinions on record now. So when season two, which was forced through with the strike going on, comes out and it's just awful and everyone hates Andor now, I'll have both your guys' opinions on the record. It kind yes. of be devastating. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Andor. I have no immediate plans to. If you Look, please email I, if, us if if you'd like a really fun weekend, I feel like you you should you should tear it up. <laughs> well, that assumes I'm interested in fun. Um, no, what, but if what, I'm what, wrong. If I'm what wrong will you about watch it, first, Lewis? Will you watch Andor or will you watch whatever the latest MCU TV show you have not seen is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I heard such great things about Secret Invasion. I, what a hit! I know. I uh, I am dreading having to watch that, but I will at some point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, if if I'm wrong about Andor, please email us at thepostwriter.com to mm -hmm. let me know how wrong I am. So anyways, yep, so Andy Serkis is in this movie. It's the third and final film in this Apes trilogy, and it's the last film that we're going to be covering in this season because that that's it. We're out of Planet of the Apes movies. It's also the last one. That was uh, made by 20th Century Fox, which no longer exists. It is now 20th Century Studios. Disney bought it. So now, like Star Wars, Disney owns Planet of the Apes. You'll be able to go to Disney World Animal Kingdom probably pretty soon and see a giant <laughs> Caesar walk around, giant Koba, giant Woody Harrelson's the Colonel character walking around with a big head talking about his uh, dead son and how he had to murder him. Yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, it's the last film we're going to cover. And um, what a what a film this is today. Did uh, you guys see this in the theater when it originally came out? Because uh, I definitely saw it after uh, Dawn. You know, we, I was pretty excited to see the next Apes movie after Dawn. So I was glad to see this when it came out in the theater. Mike or Chris, did you see this in the theater? It was my first time and I enjoyed it. It was your first time yeah. in a movie theater? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. No, this was my first time seeing this movie. I had seen both dawn and rise in uh well rise of sun and drive in but that counts and then dawn i saw in a regular theater uh, but no this is my first time seeing war and i was excited for it and we'll dive into it but i would just say i it did not disappoint yeah i can agree that i, I don't think it was the best of the trilogy uh only because the second one it had to stand up to but in terms of like it started strong at the beginning by being like oh yeah you know all the things that happened that happened two years ago like let's just throw you into into the midst of this as opposed to I really felt like they were going to just pick off where they left off and it was going to be Woody Harrelson coming down to fuck them up. Uh, so I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. Mike, sorry to go back to you. I'm just curious. Like, did you Were you aware that this movie came out? Did I, you not want to see it? I, I was aware, and I remember very vividly... Because I remember seeing like a, a lot of trailers for it at the time and like the, the image that like really like triggered like a, like a 2017 memory in me was... This the the shot of Woody Harrelson shaving his head while he's talking to 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 his army. I don't really know why I didn't go see it. I honestly could not tell you why, but for whatever reason, I didn't. Because um, I, I, I think we talked about this before, but like I at the time I I thought that um, Dawn at the time I thought I was like oh yeah that was like okay I wasn't as enthused about it about it as I am now, and so I think it was part of me was just like ah oh, like I'll I'll just skip this and. But, uh, but no, I, I wish I had seen this in the big screen because, like, honestly, like, visually, I think it would have really, like, sung uh, from, from that perspective. You were too excited for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. <laughs> I, I did not see that either. I think 2017, that was, I believe, was Do that Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, uh, probably, probably that was so. 2016. Oh, okay. There was Justice League. I didn't see that in the theaters. Definitely did not see that. Transformers the last night. No. Did you see the other eight film, Kong Skull Island? I didn't see that in theaters. No, I watched that later. I actually really enjoy that movie. It's it's like the most moviest movie it ever is. made. <laughs> it is. Good to know. Are you 
that sidebar. Is that the one with Jack sidebar. Black in it? No, 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 Wait, no, 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 no. No, Jack Black is is the Peter Jackson one from like two thousand five. Oh, I have seen the Kong because they they go to Kong Island, right? And it, it's, it's got a the huge cast, and everyone's mostly useless except <laughs> John C. Riley. There's John C. Riley, John Goodman, Samuel L. Jackson, Tom Hiddleston, and Brie Larson. Both yeah. the, both of those last two, I'm convinced, are just there. You know, for you know, bankability, obviously, and mm-hmm. they could easily be cut out of the movie. They don't do anything. Yeah. I, I I remember the big thing being um, <laughs> Brie Larson posting an, on Instagram like a picture of her in her role and being like, "I'm so glad," because she plays a journalist, and she's like, "I'm so glad I get to pay tribute to all the brave journalists of the world in my role in Kong Skull Island." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I guess." <laughs> Nellie Bly. <laughs> sure. Um, that, that's definitely what you were trying to do with that role. Okay. <laughs> but um, as a journalist, I appreciate it, Brie. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of your top journalism films. Alan Acula <laughs> has nothing on yeah. Kong Skull Island. Exactly. Sidebar, Mike, are you excited at all for the Apple TV Plus show, Monarch, <laughs> starring Kurt Russell? It oh, ties into... I didn't realize that that was happening. Oh, um, yeah. You got to get caught up on all your Godzilla, baby. I guess yeah, I I'll I'll probably watch that. I I but to be honest with you, like King of Monsters was not good and then Godzilla vs. Kong was fine. So Yeah. Um Next year when we cover all the Godzilla films, we'll be able to <laughs> di- dissect everything. That would be a very fun podcast that I feel like you would get bored with very quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, almost immediately. I'd be like, <laughs> no one's talking, they're just punching. Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk about the movie War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, it's been a bit since we last did it. So were you guys like, uh, what were your guys' expectations? Were you like, oh, I hope this is really good. I don't know how good this is gonna be. Were you like, eh, am I into this franchise anymore? I I think similar to Mike that I had sort of rem- half remembered the trailer and been like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But like, at least for me, having not seen the middle movie. I was like, I probably won't see that. Uh, so I was looking forward to something, and that seemed Woody Harrelson and what's uh, and teaser seemed to have like a good, weird dynamic going. Uh, and so I'm like, I mean, I'm intrigued, especially because how they left the last one. But that I was definitely expecting them to just pick off right where they left off, as opposed to there being this big gap. So when it was like a cold open of just the little like paragraph blurbs, I was like, okay, this is catching us up, and then like measuring down to just the word or whatever it's like okay that's that's like well done uh and then that first scene of you're just seeing like all the shit they've written on the back of their helmets i was like okay i'm intrigued like i uh i th- that so much of this movie is so silent i i don't know i just thought it was really interesting yeah yeah bedtime for bonzo um <laughs> i uh yeah Which, i Mike, what i was gonna i was gonna ask you i, I sorry to interrupt you there, go ahead. before you even said anything but uh I wanted you to explain the uh, political implications of Bedtime for Bonzo. Yeah, it, it uh, kept Ronald Reagan famous for a little bit and became kind of a... There's actually the Ramones reference it in a song called uh, My Brain is Hung- Hanging Upside Down, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg, which was their protest against Reagan visiting a German military cemetery that include, included uh, dead German World War II veterans, and I think also dead members of the SS. And so there was a lot of hubbub about that. And the Ramones recorded a pretty good song about that that uh, that references that referred to Reagan himself as Bonzo as opposed to his uh, chimpanzee co-star. I it's funny I wasn't just, just because of, like how my schedule shook out this week like I really wasn't able to watch start watching it until like ten thirty last night and I saw that it was like one hundred forty one minutes or whatever and I was like man like I like I I'm gonna watch this but like just part of me is just like it just felt like I'm really ready for like a full meal like right now and then I watched it. And, uh, I was, yeah, pleasantly surprised, like you said, Chris, of how quiet it was, and I was pleasantly surprised of how quiet it was, and how, like, even though it is disturbing in many ways, how, like, relatively easy it went down, and and just, it really, uh, it didn't feel like as long as it felt, and and, and I really was, was kind of felt pretty into it really from the the get-go I, I love how they 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 uh they, they had a special font for the name the names of the movies and like the opening title cards yeah so i i was like i said i was a little tired going into it but i by ended up i ended up like getting pretty into it pretty quickly what about yeah. you Lewis? no i i i liked it 
Yeah, I know. I mean, to be honest, I was kind of forced to watch this movie because <laughs> out of this obligation of doing this podcast. But I was like, eh, I don't know. So, but I mean, I like these movies. So when it started, I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. I like this. But I, I did think it was funny how, um, even though I think this is like a cut above in terms of like wit and intelligence, I kept noticing right at the beginning how it's like you said like each of them they have like three different army helmets with something written on the back. And it was like, they're all like dead center in the frame just to make sure that like the audience <laughs> doesn't miss it at all. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you're, you're kind of playing to the cheap seats there. But it's like, they also have like the fourth helmet that has like the uh, alpha and omega symbol mm-hmm. that's sort of just off to the side. So it's like, if you, if you know Planet of the Apes, you know like what that means. But it's also like, if you're watching this movie just for the first time, you might like glaze over that and then you sort of see it over and over again when you watch the movie the first time then when you rewatch it you're like oh it's it's there right at the beginning pretty neat yeah a lot of good references to the uh, the wider lore which movie. is what you andor heads love right? <laughs> put it in me i i do love that it is now canonical that or i think that it, it, it sort of plays it a little both ways it seems like the the disease not to skip ahead too much into the movie but that the disease which makes the human beings mute at least for the little girl, only seems to make them mute and that the the idea that they are dumb, that they are like returns back to animal bruteness, either might just only happen to adults or is just assumed because they're not allowed they're not able to speak anymore. Because everything else, every time it shows someone that's not able to speak, they seem to be otherwise mentally there. So I do love that, that that's canonically true as opposed to in the first uh, first series, especially the first movie, you're never quite sure. It's like, oh, is she doing these things on purpose uh, because she knows and she just can't speak or if she is she actually like dumb dumb that's uh, so why I, I liked that yeah i don't know i never got the impression that nova was like dumb i guess i mean charlton heston treated her like she was dumb <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know if she she was dumb you know or just you know mute that the, the the thing that always put out to me in nova is that nova erases the words um on the floor that he's writing um but like that's kind of the only idea that she's she's not dumb is that she knows that the she at least has learned that written language you're not allowed to do that anywhere or else you'll get in trouble what do, what do we got going on at the beginning the beginning reminded me a lot of um i was thinking oh chris probably likes this because it's kind of like a high budget bigger budgeted version of a battle for the planet of the apes right at the beginning when they have that fight in the forest there wasn't any school bus though but it was like a bigger budget <laughs> fight with uh, the arrows flying and whatnot. And there were explosions. There was more than one explosion instead of one explosion being filmed from different angles. So that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> no, I like that. I, I think it, it really got you into an understanding of the world really quickly that, okay, the soldiers are here. They know about Caesar. They're looking for him. They've been looking for him. That some of the, the apes are working for the humans. Uh, I thought that was like, and that you sort of bleed into that really well and that they've sort of found this base and that eventually start with the humans, uh, flip to the apes. And then I really do love that it's like, 98 percent ape that you're you're with caesar and the crew the almost the whole movie i thought that was really good yeah this film really sort of pairs down human characters and just mainly focuses on the apes mm-hmm. in terms of the humans we only really get woody harrelson who's obviously like the bad guy the main antagonist as the colonel and then he has like his henchman preacher who's like kind of like a crossbow sniper thing which uh, is pretty cool. I don't know why he couldn't just have a sniper. He had to have like a crossbow sniper, but uh, still pretty cool weapon, I guess. It's distinctive. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch, even though like I also didn't understand why. Maybe because it's more quiet. I don't know. Not to spoil it, I I really thought he was gonna like turn good because like at the beginning of this movie he gets saved and uh, not to spoil anything, but w- when. When he gets blown up by a grenade launcher in the last moments of the film, I was like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> like, this is not going to be one of those, this is not going to be a heartfelt, he looks to the ape, the ape looks at him, he nods to the hole or something, he's just like, boom, gone. Yeah, I think that was, um, that was more like the last movie's deal, where it's like more compassion, it's like maybe we can live together. But I think this yeah. film is more about, you know, one side has to win. So it's more like, yeah, they 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 gonna win. <laughs> Sorry, and they they still have the redemption story for the donkey. So yeah, I know a big, uh, I don't know if it's controversy is the right word, but a big sticking point I see with a lot of people is like the way these these three films have been titled. 
I know there was like a lot of consternation with Dawn and this film film being called War for the Planet of the Apes when you know it's not really like like a huge global conflict in terms of like the story the film's telling but to me like with a lot of stuff going on in like the background it made sense did you guys feel like the title was appropriate inappropriate did you have a better suggestion for a title i mean i think in some ways this probably it's really was more of a battle than a war but like as you said there is a war going on and not just between the apes and the uh, this whole alpha and omega battalion it, I mean, do I think it's, like, the best title for this movie? Like, probably not. It's I wouldn't describe it as a war movie, right? Like, I think it's it has maybe more in common with, like, a, a Western and, like, an adventure, honestly, than a, than a war movie. But, you know, it, it, it didn't really affect my enjoyment of the movie at all. Like, I, I didn't really end up caring, I would say, either way. I, I think it fits thematically with the other two in a weird way even though it doesn't really have that much attachment to this movie after watching this film a second time i felt like the title was like way more appropriate hmm. calling it a war and i felt like the um like we were talking about like the beginning with the uh the, the text at the top i felt that it was like the filmmakers kind of responding it's like no here's how the titles are actually perfect <laughs> all right we nailed it all right because yeah. they have the words like Rise, written in it's part of the uh to be honest, part of the I, paragraph that explains the movie i probably like if i were titling all these movies probably would have switched dawn and rise because dawn to me implies like the beginning of something uh, yeah you, rise you're ascending upwards yeah. and then yeah yeah but if you were titling the movies it would have been called mike levito's <laughs> planet of the apes yeah by yeah. mike levito yeah like lee daniels is the butler <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we, we find Caesar and the gang. They're still living in the forest, I guess. Um, and then they're under attack from this battalion led by this colonel. They try to... Caesar, you know, tries to be compassionate and lets some of them go. And we stay with the apes. As we find out, there's, like, talk of uh, a promised land, if you will, somewhere far away, beyond the desert where presumably they'll be out of reach of the army and they make plans to go there. And then, Mike, what happens after that? Uh, so they make plans. Uh, we, we learn a little bit about kind of this, this ape society living in. They're kind of living in a, in a cave underneath the waterfall. You got Caesar. You got his wife, uh, whose name escapes me, right? Cornelia. That makes sense because their younger son is Cornelius. And they uh, they make plans to leave because they, they know that Alpha and Omega is coming. They, they retire for the night. But then... We get this very good scene where Alpha and Omega kind of breaches their uh, their cave. We see the the green of their laser sights kind of wash over everybody, and the the, the goal is to kill Caesar, but instead they end up killing uh, Cornelia and Blue Eyes instead, and this causes Caesar to get very angry and vow revenge against the Colonel, who is played by Woody Harrelson. He's angry enough to jump out and fall down a waterfall. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, as as it never really shows. Do they ever show what like the that zip line is? No, it's a zip line, but like the the line that that Woody Harrelson has is attached to is it attached to like a helicopter or is it just attached to like a mountain? I, I assumed it was the helicopter, but I have no idea. That's a good question. I thought it was a helicopter, but now you're making me doubt myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was just realizing that I never really uh, thought about that before. Um, Wonder Woman's invisible jet could could have been yeah uh, but you know brutal ape violence right away we got this cool intro shot I think of uh, Woody Harrelson where he turns around and he's like <laughs> he's got like war paint on mm -hmm. Chris I don't know if you know any more than I do but what was the tactical advantage of him painting his face like that if any uh, to be cool looking I guess like usually they go like with greens or like like colors of the wall but uh, i feel like that they much like that they changed the american flag with the alpha the omega like they've sort of descended into the sort of warlike tribalism all that sort of stuff well i i assumed he was painting his face black so like when he's in the black of the cave uh he is, can't is it do black? that mike he's not allowed <laughs> to do that touche I, I do love that he turns around and is genuinely confused. Yeah. He's like, wait, I fucking, I murdered you. And then, then they look over and say, oh, he did. Yeah. He murdered someone, but not them. Yeah. Not all apes look alike while we're on it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny when you say that, because like later in the film, he like admits that he's like kind of confused. Yeah. Like during that scene. So it is just like, 
Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's what I think is actually like a pretty enjoyable thing about this movie. Is that it's not like the colonel is like a mastermind, right? It's like he's clearly just like a very like kind of like uh, intimidating fanatic who just happens for whatever reason to have this like battalion that's loyal to him. It's not like he's like a brilliant strategist well, he, or anything. He, com- he aspires to be. Yeah. He, he compares mm-hmm. himself to Napoleon <laughs> yeah. and Lee. Well, no, I, I guess Robert E. Lee. I so I that scene. It's like so when they first meet, and he he's he's describing he, he and Caesar's like uh, confrontation. He goes Grant and Lee, Grant and Lee, Wellington and Napoleon, Custer and Sitting Bull. I just want him to keep going. Like I want him <laughs> to, to just just be like um, yeah, like uh, sort of like running out of general combinations. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Washington and Cornwallis, um, Patton and Rommel. Yeah, just just keep just keep on doing it. Uh, Schwarzkopf and Saddam, like just just really lean into it. Well, evidently Woody Harrelson improvised that whole thing. Really, that's impressive. Yeah, originally it was going to be silent, but he came up with this little uh, speech that he does. Speech, um, which you There's know, I think it was pretty good. We you, clearly yeah. history buffs would like it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it, I think it really ex- explained why he kept Caesar alive for so long, because it like. The initial, I know eventually it's sort of explained, oh, to keep everyone else working so that'll keep it doing. But that initial, like, well, I'm just too fascinated with you. Uh, we'll kill you soon, but not now. Like, I don't know. I, th- I thought that was an interesting dynamic. He's sort of, especially at the very end, you got a real, like, Captain Kurtz sort of vibe. And it's like, obviously, he has the shaved head like Marlon Brando does in that film. Um, so you get, definitely get that sort of vibe from him. We have sort of this scene, you know, Caesar's wife and son are dead. He still has one son alive, and like they made plans to, you know, it's like we'll wait and we'll go to this promised land tomorrow. And then, unfortunately, um, the ape society gets invaded. So Caesar's like, "You all go. I'm gonna go look for this colonel guy that uh, I made eyes with, and uh, we're gonna go out." And then you get this scene of all the other apes being like, "Well, his, you know, his like main ape group being like." They're like the knights of the round table. Like, <laughs> yeah. we will go with you mm-hmm. to find the grail. Yeah, I was thinking it felt very Fellowship of the Ring to me, you know? But yeah, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I was like, oh, they're, they're all... I, like, I enjoyed yeah, just the depth they were giving these eight characters and, like, you know, the loyalty they had established and, and the different, you know, personalities where, like, Maurice is, like, the very gentle and, and kind one, whereas, like, uh, Luca is a little bit more of, like, a, a little bit more of a scrapper... Yeah, I enjoyed all that. Yeah, and I think I would argue that this aspect uh, plays better when you watch all these films relatively close together, as opposed to the years between theatrical releases. You really get to um, form a real connection, and you get to follow the arc of all these other side ape characters a lot better. And Mike, I I really enjoy your idea of this being a western. Because it really does, it feels like it's pared down to like, okay, we had this big, that, like, this, this, like, huge thing last time. Let's just focus down on, like, a few characters and a few ideas, and one of them being losing your family. And that, that we're just going to have this through line of, like, a bunch of characters dealing with that loss in different ways and helping each other deal with it in, that diff- in different ways. And, like, the different ways you can deal with it and just paring it down to that. I don't know. I just thought it was really, really good at clarifying what otherwise could be a very busy movie yeah it keeps things really simple and neat i would argue that there's a little bit of a narrative trickery here that kind of muddies the waters a little bit when we get to like the uh the military's camp and like their prison Mm. because well they set off on their journey um before we get to the prison part and uh we, (laughs) we meet two new characters we meet this little girl and there's another ape character played by uh, Steve Zahn. Chris, do you want to talk about these two characters? Yeah, sure. The the, the little girl uh, who can't talk, uh, who is, is the is the first time we're introduced to this idea that, like, oh, people can't, or that we, at least this little girl can't talk. We don't know why. That her dad, who has a machine gun and immediately dies, uh, is in the middle of the woods with her. Uh, she very quickly gets over his death and follows these apes uh, that murdered her father. Um, but the, the, they seem to treat her kindly and that that eventually as the movie goes on and they are following the the people just skip over a few things they find that oh this is a disease because they've, they've shot dead a couple of these soldiers 
and one of these soldiers also can't speak. So that's this must be some sort of some sort of disease. And we learn even later in the film, yes, it's part of the disease um, that spreads if you if you leave anyone alive with it and let them join you. And that the ape creature is one of the other few apes that can talk. Uh, at least at this point in the film, that he's from the zoo and he is a little slapstick, which got a little grating at times, but I don't know. The overall character, I think, was fun enough and they made him just 3D enough to make him interesting and cool. Emotion-worthy. So I, don't know, I, th I, th I thought they were good little characters. Sort of have the one human who can't speak and the one uh, ape who can uh, sort of thing. I thought it was an interesting dynamic. So I, I did initially think um, the way we're revealed to Bad Ape is we just kind of see the back of him. You kind of think he's a human when he's stealing... Uh, one of their horses, and um, mm. I assumed it was going to be another human, but in fact, it's it's not. It's another ape who can talk. It's also where Nova gets her name because she's playing with mm. like the hood ornament from a Chevy Nova. I thought he was relative. Like what <laughs> later, the thing that did make me actually laugh was like, uh, and it's during like the like more, most depressing part of the movie. They're observing the prison. He has like the the binoculars the wrong way around, <laughs> and he's he's like, oh no, why so small? And it's like, oh, you idiot. Um, oh no. <laughs> So yeah. small. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was, I actually I, I I thought that the uh, like the CGI work on Bad Ape I actually found like probably the most impressive um, in this movie just because like I think part of it might just be because like he was the least hairy of the apes and they were like just whatever they were able to do with like the way his skin looked it looked almost just like a high quality puppet at points I, I actually found like that aspect of that character like the design and the execution of that actually very yeah, I would argue um, that the intention is that him being shaved and him being upright and able to talk is supposed to make you think, like, oh, he's a human, like, this is the next evolution of apes. They're actually becoming, like, mm -hmm. the humans. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea that he's... Well, and that they need to wear clothes, that, like, that they will eventually evolve into the creatures that we see in the first film that need, need clothes yes. and have only a minimal amount of hair. Excellent point, Chris, and that those clothes will be color-coded. Um, and uniform but the the idea that he's introduced you're supposed to think he's a human is like one of these ideas that i think really you know the film is about the idea of like it's it's the this is like the conflict it's like humans have to win or apes have to win one side will dominate over the other and that's the idea i would argue that the intention is more present than like the execution itself succeeds where you're sort of like watching and it's like, oh, I thought it was a human. Oh, I guess it's not. Mm -hmm. Oh, he can talk. I don't know if it really like lands that much of an impact when you've been watching Caesar. Caesar pretty much like talks in English, like the whole movie, which kind of shows his evolution. But I, I think it kind of lessens the impact of bad ape talking, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. I loved that they continued the sign language stuff that I thought like the ape doing that was like really cool uh, and it was really clear. And I don't know, it just it just made them feel like they had a culture um that already exists and i like I, I appreciate them sort of doing the talking towards the end because that they're pushing towards oh these apes are evolving and they're doing it for caesar because caesar could t talk and that kind of thing but I, don't know, I just thought that was a really good dynamic we were introduced to these two side characters and they join the group that tags along and eventually they find the uh, military compound where the colonel and his cohorts are holed up but there's a there's a little something more that is waiting for them there a surprise if you will the mike well what do they find when they get to the compound well at first they, they come across these apes who are more or less kind of crucified in the position that you know the, these kind of like decoys in in the first uh the first film i believe are i just forgot until you just said now they have like those scarecrows in the first planet of the apes movie mm -hmm. i like that yeah and then uh they, they end up capturing caesar basically what it turns out happened is is that this uh you know, sort of wagon train that had set out to this promised land ended up being intercepted by Alpha Omega and imprisoned and basically put in a concentration camp and uh, forced forced to work for them. Yeah, was anyone else bothered by this? Because when I watched it, I was, like, a bit confused because I was like, huh? Because it's like you're supposed to... There's, there's telling you a lot of stuff that happened off screen and you're just supposed to be like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. Because I was like, oh, there, there are these apes that are crucified and then it's like... Caesar mm -hmm. like goes to help one, and then it's like we're supposed out. to recognize that ape. I think uh, I don't quite remember why, but that the, yeah, the, he's he was, I think one of the ones from the scene when they were saying goodbye. It it did feel a little kind of like um, exquisite beasty, which is like the game where you mm -hmm. like you draw one portion of a horse and then somebody else draws another portion of the horse. Like it did feel a little kind of tacked on in that regard. Like they were just they kind of yada yada it a little bit, I guess. 
And then the movie really just kind of changed tones and, and, and a little bit too. Like it did feel like they had a little trouble kind of wending together the human storyline uh, to the extent that there is one and the ape storyline, whereas it felt a little bit more natural in both Rise and Dawn. So yeah, I, I could definitely see why that would be frustrating um, and kind of like, it, it is a little bit of a like, kind of like a narrative cop-out in some ways. Well, I was just confused because I mean, I don't know if I should admit this, you know, in public on a microphone but all apes look alike to me <laughs> so it's like i was supposed to recognize that ape specifically i i couldn't i'm sorry this is something i've been working towards getting over my whole life and i i'm doing a little better each day but uh chris do you want to start talking now <laughs> that i yeah that I, I also didn't recognize it i only got it from the context clue of like he doesn't ask who are you he asks like what happened mm-hmm. like oh shit this is one of theirs and the one narrative thing that it's because it took me a second as well. I was like, oh, wait, really? Um, but then I really thought about it. And like, at least the the moment that it really made sense to me was when Caesar was in the prison and like he's looking over, looking what happened. And he's just like, what have I done? And he's like, oh, of course, he left thinking they were safe, but he they are safe because of him. Like that he abandoned his position as leader that probably would have gotten them likely would have gotten them not ambushed, not caught, been able to make it to the promised land earlier, but that he abandoned that post in order to seek this revenge. And I thought that they, that was a really good capper to, uh, throughout the film, in the parts that we've been talking about, Kobo, the enemy from the last film, filled with vengeance and hate, um, has been has been coming to him in dreams. Um, uh, and that's, now that uh, Caesar has hate in his heart over the murder of his family, uh, that he's really actually wrestling with Kobo in a way he didn't, and Kobo's thoughts and emotions in the way that he didn't have to in the prior movies. And I just thought that was really good and sort of a final cap or two. I, I thought I was doing the Caesar thing, letting my family go and not bringing them into this. But in fact, I was doing the Kobo thing. I was abandoning my position in order to seek that revenge. Yeah, and it's really well done, and it's done in a way where it's not like it's like look everyone it's koba koba's back it's like it actually it has like a point and it sort of like mm-hmm. deepens the character a little bit gives him a bit mm-hmm. more dimension a bit more you know stuff to do in the film mm-hmm. is this so, yeah. the specter that's haunting caesar yeah he's like literally being haunted by um the the villain of the last movie but uh so then yeah we shift gears into the sort of the second half of the movie which is kind of like a prison movie um Kind of like the Great Escape, kind of. Yeah, the Great. That's probably what it should remind me of. Although I'll have to admit I haven't seen the movie. You know what it actually reminded me of instead was the movie uh, Unbroken. Um, oh, about Unbroken. Lu- the Angelina Jolie directed oh, movie. Oh, the Louis Zamfarelli movie. Yeah, yeah, which is not particularly good. Um, Nachi. What's that? I just remember you telling me about it, and it's like Gnocchi. Yeah, no, he pronounces Gnocchi wrong. He goes Gnocchi, and I'm like, no, it's not how you pronounce it. It's Gnocchi. Um, <laughs> it, it, it kind of reminded me of that because, but in that they're in like they're in a Japanese POW camp and they're forced to work and there's all this coal and stuff. But yeah, no, it definitely does feel like a World War II kind of like you said, Great Escape. I, I saw in Wikipedia they compared it to Bridge on the River Kwai type thing. Even down to at some point during the final part of the movie where there's like the caper escape, they have like the the chipper like escape music, uh, that's like gently coconut themed and is like do 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 do. The music. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I I know that no, that's a perfectly fine way to describe it. the the uh, The music in this movie is incredible, actually. I would say. Yeah, uh, Michael Jackson. Really good stuff. Love, love the kettle drums. The bum, bum, bum. This is one of the few times where I've been able to tell a set of music is giving me an emotional swell to feel music, but that the swell is good enough and well-placed enough that I'm actually, like, it's actually helping me feel it even as I'm noticing it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It was very well done. Yeah, I mean, I think all three of these movies, I just sort of let the credits play just so I can listen to the music, which is something I, like, rarely do when I watch movies. Yeah, just like the first credit comes up, it's like pop out of the ejector, <laughs> have it fly it back into that. the case. <laughs> yeah, so the second half is like a prison movie. We find out more about the colonel's backstory. Who wants to talk about the backstory? Mike, Mike, Mike's always itching to talk about the backstory and exposition. Mike, why don't you sure. talk about it? Expo dump Mike, that's what they call me. Um, 
So after he admits that he's confused that Caesar's still alive, the girl talks about how basically uh, his son was a part of his battalion. He got sent off and he was in this battle. He comes back. He can no longer speak. Everybody thinks it's basically just kind of like PTSD or something like that. However, eventually the people who are caring for him no longer can speak. And it becomes clear that what's actually happening is that the virus that had given, that had killed off a large portion of the human population and it also made apes intelligent was now, uh, and all human units now apparently carry with them, it is now taking on its basically like final form and it is robbing humans of the ability to speak. And as you point out, Chris, a little unclear as to, you know, does it, does it also take away their ability for like critical thought or, or whatever, but they can no longer speak. And so that, those are the humans that the apes found earlier, kind of dead and buried in the snow. Um, the colonel had to kill his own son. And he even said, you know, as I was holding the gun at him, I saw the love in his eyes, but I still pulled the trigger. And now he is... He describes it as a holy war, and there's lots of Christian imagery in his little hut. Um, basically, he his, he's basically waging a war against evolution, in a way, right? Um, he wants to eliminate the apes so that the humans will not become their cattle. Apparently, it sounds like that that uh, there may be a medical treatment for this, this disease, but the colonel doesn't seem to buy it. And basically, whatever other army exists in the north, I don't know if it's Canada or what, is planning to invade Alpha Omega's compound because they believe the colonel has gone too far or something like that. Actually, that was a kind of underdeveloped plotline a little bit. Yeah, um, well, Chris, I want to ask Chris because he might know. Like, what's the term for that? Is he like gone AWOL? Or is yeah, he... yeah, that he's he's turned. I guess well, AWOL would mean that you leave the force. I, it doesn't usually happen that you're taking a force with you. Yeah, um, that's why I was so like, it's I, not AWOL. I, I Civil War question mark, I guess, would probably be the better term. Uh, like, to turn traitor. Like um, a mutiny? I, well, it's, yeah, it's a mutiny. That's, it, that's a, I think that's the best, yeah. It, yeah, mutiny is kind of what Julius... I'm not, I don't know that much about ancient Rome. But my understanding is it's kind of what Julius Caesar did. Where it's yeah, like, yeah. he won this battle in Gaul, and then he decides, okay, I'm going to now march to March Rome. on Rome. Uh, cross the Rubicon, as they say, and um, that's a river. Yes, <laughs> and then declare himself emperor. So, which I guess is more of a coup d'état. Um, yeah. So, that was was he a mutiny? I guess implies that you're overthrowing your elected uh, or not elected your officers. Yeah. But I officer. guess this would be. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I, I don't. There's never quite a good turn for it. I suspect it, it would be the cause of a civil war, and so I guess that's what's happening now. But I guess maybe that his unit is not big enough, nor uh influential enough for to take over the whole shebang so he's just waiting for them to come kill him which again going back to he's not he's not a genius he's just sort of a guy who's in charge pushed to extremes by murdering his son yeah waiting for what 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 will happen yeah he's become a warlord basically i think is, is yeah yeah way to put it. i guess we'll yeah. just have to wait for it to happen in real life and then wait for whatever <laughs> word the new york times comes up with to describe it they'll they'll know what it is oh that that hurts <laughs> i was i was making a joke and not trying to depress anybody here listening to our Look, Planet of the Apes podcast is um, that, that can be both in these occasions yeah so we we find out more about the colonel um yeah and then the the rest of the movie i'm just gonna speed along because of time True. um the the movie sort of just follows like the apes in prison and then their eventual escape uh, did you guys have any memorable moments from uh this part of the film before like the ending climax like the this middle second part was there anything that stood out to you guys no i didn't think so the <laughs> the, the, the part where they throw shit at the guard oh yeah <laughs> felt that, like I don't, but like it in the moments I was like, this is a little unrealistic. But also, if you like had shit thrown at you, you'd go investigate, and like maybe you find a buddy, maybe you don't. Like it's also like you've been up all night waiting for the new, the new people, more people to get in. Um, and that felt weirdly reminiscent of the film as a whole. That I think, unlike the prior film, where the more you investigate and think into things, the more it makes total sense. That in this this one, every now and then why things need to be there and what's going on with the movie specifically uh every now and then it it, it won't fall apart entirely but it'll sort of weaken a little bit but that the movie itself is moving forward well enough and everything's going under and that the acting is well enough and that the 
music as well enough that you don't think about it too hard and just sort of let the movie wash over you a little bit and on to the next step. And so that, that's what I would have about this whole part of the movie is that it's not quite as good as the first part, I don't think, but that um, Woody Harrelson and uh, 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 Andy Serkis playing off each other because they're sort of the heart of this, especially the second half of the movie, playing off each other makes all of that make sense still even and to be fair it's it still mostly makes sense it's just sort of it's i'm glad they're there to really like push the whole thing forward yeah i andy circus obviously very good in this as it's been good in all the, the prior movies uh, yeah i don't have a whole lot to add i'll just say a lot, a lot of like jesus and moses vibes i got from from caesar where it's like he's he's kind of crucified you know he's leading a group of people to a promised land he's he's kind of standing up for slaves and also slaves himself just a lot of Felt like a lot of biblical stuff going on. Mike, you should write professional film reviews. <laughs> <laughs> getting real, getting real Bible vibes from this. <laughs> Passion of the Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like a poster, and it's just like thought fill, Mike Levito. Um, <laughs> I just sort of love the tone because I sort of love that it's aping, no pun intended, like mm-hmm. these old '60s, '70s kind of like World War II movies. Where it's just like kind of like you know it's like they just you know just sit over there in this field and pretend you're a prisoner of war and it's like yeah it's like kind of stripped down it's kind of it's kind of dark it's not your usual summer blockbuster fare no I don't know especially when it gets back to like oh that it's it's been throughout the entire movie there has been the through line of these apes working for the alpha and omegas and that the, it's really come to a head here where one of the other apes like starts antagonizing Caesar uh, and Caesar's trying to talk him into it. And then finally at the very end of the movie, that apes gets a redemption and his full redemption is shoot one grenade launcher, kill one guy, save Caesar immediately gets shot in the head. But that they, they do that scene well enough and they give him, they give them just like just enough eye contact to make that really work well. And like the music swell is there and that they gave him like three or four full scenes of like, fucking with Caesar, and you could tell that the Caesar's getting to him a little bit to make that really worth it. And that they're... I, yeah, um, I yeah and, really the, and the film does a really good job of, uh, in that moment at the end. We're making you think, maybe Caesar will die at this part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And now I'm just thinking that it, this has weirdly been a trend for Matt Reeves in these last three, three films he's done, where it's like Caesar... You think Caesar's dead in Dawn, you think he could die here, and then they make you think that Alfred maybe died in the Batman for like a long stretch of the film. So I don't know what Matt Reeves' beef is with Andy Serkis, where he just wants to kill this guy, but he can't. Um, so I guess I'll just have to wait Which... for the Batman part two. There you go. And the, I, the, what did you guys think about the Caesar's death at the end? I'm, I have some thoughts on it, but I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts. Well, do we want to talk about everything that happened before that first? Oh, sure, sure. What, what, what are we missing? I guess we're we're only at the caper part. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, they they launch this caper. I like that part. Like in addition to the part where they throw poo, mm-hmm. which is funny. It's like they have that part where the guard comes in and then they like pull him underneath the ground. Yeah. Like Looney Tunes or something. Mm-hmm. And you never really find out what happens to him no. <laughs> after that. But I, you know, then then it leads into sort of a the big battle, mm-hmm. big military confrontation. Which I'm sure you don't want coming to your house. <laughs> you know, if you see that coming, you'd be like, "Oh, darn." Yeah. Um, <laughs> when when this happened, are you guys like? Because they kind of do it in a way where it's like that whole action with the military versus the other military is happening kind of in the background. Is that mm-hmm. a bit disappointing to you guys? Are you is your mind elsewhere? Are you kind of like, "Oh, I wish there was more action." You know, what what are you guys thinking? I it didn't disappoint me. I I thought it was fine like the point of it so it's like this assault is happening as the apes are escaping and so you've got kind of a lot of things going on and you know i thought considering like i don't know it felt like if you were going to have like this big battle like really focus on this big battle between alpha omega and this other branch of the military we don't really know anything about like that would have felt a little like uh, a little like it would have just felt like the writers just being like okay we have to have the big third act climax we have to have the big battle scene, so let's just do it this way. I, I generally like the way they handled it. It did remind me a little bit of Battle for the Planet of the Apes and the way... There was a battle. Yeah, the way there was a battle and how it, like, 
was meant to be this like earth shaking thing, even though it didn't seem like there were that many people involved. I I, I mean, the, the highlight to me of this whole part is like the moment like the last moment with the colonel where caesar walks into his like office finds, draws, draws the colonel's gun out of his holster yeah and mm-hmm. finds the colonel drunk and 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 depressed and uh unable to speak and and the colonel actually guides the gun to his head but then the caesar decides not to do it but then the colonel kills himself anyway it feels weird to say I enjoyed that scene, but what I appreciated about it... It was very well acted, yeah. Yeah, it's well acted, and it is kind of like a subversion of, like, the typical revenge plot that we see so much in, like, blockbusters and stuff, right? Like, the sort of motivation and morality of the idea of, like, this person wronged me, therefore I am going to kill them. This, like, eye-for-an-eye mentality that motivates so much popular, like, action sci-fi blockbuster stuff. That motivation just becomes, it's not always explored, whereas here, it's its really a movie about, like, mercy in a way, where Caesar realizes that, like, you know, there's really no point in killing this guy. Like, what's it actually going to do? He's already broken, like, these, his, his whole thing's going to get destroyed anyway. Like, what do I actually gain from killing him at this point when he is already at the lowest he will ever be? And he decides to let the colonel do it himself. I just I found that like I said just like an interesting subversion of the whole, the whole uh, trope for lack of a better word. I bet the frat bros were disappointed. <laughs> they were like, "Oh dang, yo, should have killed him." We want that monkey out for blood. Cause so like I this movie in my memory I've only saw it the one time in the theater when it came out, mm-hmm. and so like I remembered you know sort of like the top level of this in my memory, but I didn't like remember lot of the finer details i was kind of a bit disappointed on rewatch because i you know being a huge planet of the apes fan I, I watched all the films before i saw this one in the theater so like the whole alpha and omega stuff is obviously a reference to everyone's favorite beneath the planet of the apes <laughs> and the mutants with their golden atomic bomb and they make a point of mentioning that the the place they're hold up the colonel's place is like a special weapons facility mm. which is why the army is concerned with like taking it back so in my memory, I was like, do they, like, wheel out an A-bomb at some point? <laughs> and it's, like, the bomb, and it has Alpha and Omega. And obviously I was misremembering, like, the, um, it's like a gas main mm-hmm. that has, like, the A, uh, Alpha Omega on it. Yeah. So I was kind of a mm-hmm. bit disappointed that they didn't, like, wheel out the giant A-bomb at the end. Uh, was anyone else disappointed by that? I, I don't know, maybe I was the only one. <laughs> I, th- th- that makes the avalanche make more sense to me that I, I, I it sort of felt I, I understand like okay the chain reaction the explosions that leads to the avalanche a little too cartoony for me especially when it's just like all of them fleeing from the avalanche but I guess maybe that's supposed to be sort of a gentle setup for oh no some of them fled to the caves and now it's a part of the they'll be the cave dwellers that come out years upon years later oh I, I even thought about that no, I, it, the, the the nuke wasn't even really crossing my mind. I had actually kind of forgotten that there was the whole Alpha Omega thing. With I'd me. seen Beneath before this movie, so obviously the Alpha and Omega is a reference mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And someone watching this on its own could just, you know, not even think about it. Right, right. But, mm-hmm. um, and obviously I'm not saying this is a huge criticism. I was just, like, disappointed in, like, my memory of this crazy <laughs> film that didn't exist. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, the Avalanche is a bit you know too neat mm-hmm. because like the army yeah. wins and then they see caesar and it's like oh how's caesar gonna get out of this one and i was like genuinely like yeah how is he because i know he doesn't die here and then there's this um huge avalanche but you know i mean the point is that it's like it's matt reeves sort of saying it's like the the humans lose yeah you know the apes have won mm-hmm. the war for the planets mm-hmm. More, more, um, more Bible stuff instead of a Noah's flood. Caesar gets an avalanche. There you go. It's uh, it's water. <laughs> That's true. <Gross laughs> just water. much colder. Chris was saying before. I think that that was a great the final sequence where it's like Caesar running to like the big gas main to blow up like the wall and blow up everything. But it's like you have this redemption. That that was all well done, and I thought it was genuinely tense and exciting, even though Caesar kind of survives that conflict mike did you like it i did yeah no i I I thought it was well done i thought it was exciting i did wonder this is like tangential but like do we think that preacher who's the one who gets blown up by the grenade launcher there do we think he had the disease too because you never see him talk 
once they get back to the the compound. Interesting. And so I thought that was going to turn into something, uh, but uh uh-huh. really. that that, that would have made sense it's like that that, that like I thought it was like he gets the disease and like they it comes with him or something. Yeah. Um my my like my gut feeling was they had some way cuz this disease is so specific and they're checking for it that they have like some like mechanism to like make everyone say things in certain cycles of time but like you could be correct died with the disease the only thing is that if if he had the disease wouldn't a bunch of the people around him start getting the disease that kind of thing right yeah i think they just cut a lot of lines from him and then we have the uh ending where the apes trudge along the desert and i was wondering if any of these locations were actually from the uh first movie original film because um i think it's deliberately referencing it I say, yeah, it looks similar. Especially the last valley shot. Chris Chris gave me a nod, like, yeah, that's what they were obviously doing. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, some of the other ones are more reminiscent, but that final, the final valley shot, it's like you can tell that they're tra- trying to be reminiscent of the original. Um, yeah. And you can see the rocket landing into the lake. It all ties together. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, last, the last reveal, the last twist... Z-O-M-G, um, Caesar's dying, mm-hmm. and he's talking with Maurice about, you know, whatever, legacy, I guess, um, and then it ends on the, uh, the shot that we pull up as, a, a society of apes living in harmony and peace and brotherhood and whatever. What, what did you guys think of this ending? <laughs> like, as everybody's so happy in that scene, they're gonna be real bummed when they find out what happens to Caesar, right? <laughs> like, poor Is this the first, like, happy ending? That we've had in the series it's kind of bittersweet because caesar dies well doesn't i mean doesn't battle for the planet of the apes kind of end like the implication is that in this weird kind of like jacked up timeline now the humans and the apes live in harmony it's definitely a more ambiguous the, the, there's still the there's still the threat of them coming it seems like oh oh no they they're coming like the, the i mean the yeah and, and it's like if you buy into the theory that the timeline didn't change then you know it ends with the whole planet exploding Right. At the end of beneath, yeah. Which, yeah, it's, I, I guess I, I'm. I hope the timeline has changed. Uh, which I guess the timeline has already sort of changed because Caesar is dead. Uh, well, this is a reboot. This, this is a different timeline than the originals. Than the other one. Well, because it, it happened via disease rather than nuclear bomb, so I guess that makes sense. But that I, I'm still stuck a little bit with the idea that. Well, Woody Harrelson's right. They are going to turn into your channel. Like that. Like part of me is like weirdly defensive of not the means, but at least the goals of Woody Harrelson. That like, if if we can't coexist because you will destroy us, um, I don't know. I find that intriguing. No, I guess it is. But turning back to everything, I do really love that it is our hubris. That like in trying to make them smart, we have changed something around. Especially because apes are so close to us genetically. Um, that like has something that has turned back around to destroy us as well its creator uh, i thought that was a really good through line uh, though i i'm 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 sort of mixed about did caesar really need to die to make that sort of final emotional weight to that scene and i i do think it was an yes. effective speech that what's his face <laughs> that what's his face gives but also the idea like oh no that like caesar has learned caesar has grown uh that's it's caesar who will guide at least the early part of this um uh, this community, I don't know. I, I was sort of a mixed bag on that one. Well, I don't know. Mike, is there any, like, biblical characters <laughs> that this is reminiscent of? Not to my knowledge. Uh, it's not like, isn't there a guy called Moses? <laughs> hey, Moses Moses lived, uh, wait, did Moses, did Moses, Moses didn't die died before they, they reached the Israel, land? so. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. The promised mm-hmm. land, I don't Edit mm-hmm. out Israel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's well thought out ending you know it's not the kind of common ending that you get the only kind of ending yet you can really do is that you can have the character die if it's been built up for like 28 films and that way you can have every character from every connected film cameo for a big funeral scene <laughs> yeah. it's just like whoosh, the camera flows yeah. through everybody did you see everybody all the characters look at them everybody they all stood next suits. to each other. We paid them. <laughs> and then in the big celebration scene later, you can have Caesar come back as a force ghost. <laughs> well, here's the thing I was thinking of when it ended, because obviously we all like Andy Serkis in these movies. 
because everyone likes him. He's he's great. He gives a fantastic performance. If we recall, Roddy McDowell played both Cornelius and his son Caesar mm-hmm. in the original mm-hmm. saga. So there's really nothing to stop Andy Serkis from coming back, let's say, and playing a different ape character. And it, you know, maybe, I, I maybe think... even uh, the the young the young son of Caesar. Well, I don't. I think they would probably age him up a bit, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but he could he could play uh, definitely play another character, and you know, I think he's a good enough actor that he could probably do a different sort of performance as opposed to just like it's Caesar again. But uh, I, I guess he's not coming back for the next one unless it, it is a Force Ghost cameo. <laughs> air horn, air horn, air horns. Omg. Yeah. So it's a nice ending. Um, are you guys looking forward to Kingdom? of the planet of the apes the first disney film in the series coming out next year uh filming has been completed uh are you guys excited i am i'm, I'm very I... intrigued because I, I i really i don't know what they're gonna do next yeah i you know, obviously i'm a little disappointed that matthew reeves and Andy circus aren't coming back but uh i think it could be good i mean you got to keep it fresh you know true you can't have this is a saga that is so sprawling it can't just be like one you know artist mm-hmm. you know you need <laughs> You need the Rod Serling and the Matt Reeves and your J. Lee Thompsons, yeah. if you will. You need to get Wes Ball, whose only three other feature films are the Maze Runner trilogy. So maybe I'm not excited anymore. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one for them, one for them. One for <laughs> I guess so. You know what? I I had an idea. I've had an idea percolating for like a Planet of the Apes film. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to hear it? Sure. Yeah. Because what is the one other animal that has consistently been portrayed in all these films? Man. Humans. Horses. Apes. Exactly. Mike Mike got it. Horses. So I was thinking about what kind of conflicts might arise when the horses begin to evolve themselves. And then it's like uh, Gulliver's Travels when it's like the horse horses that are super intelligent and like the kind of conflicts that can arise. I think... That might be an interesting avenue to explore when it's like this new dominant species is suddenly confronted with another new dominant species. Yeah. And you, you get different clans too. You get horses, you get ponies, you get donkeys, you get, I guess mules are horses and donkeys, I think. I don't know. The, the question is, what would be their color-coded jackets? That's a good question. And also, would it be too similar to... Seabiscuit? Uh, sorry to bother you. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and on that memory of the horrific horse-human animal hybrid uh we will i think wrap things okay yeah i just wanted to, so. if you guys wanted to say briefly what you thought of the whole franchise I really enjoyed it. It's a great franchise. I would encourage everybody to watch all of these movies. Um, I mean, you could probably skip the Tim Burton one, but even then, like, you know. For... I completely forgot about that one. Yeah. So did I, too. I, I published on Letterboxd my, my rankings of all these movies, and I actually, when I was looking at forgot to put in the Tim Burton one, which was, of course, <laughs> dead last. Um, but no, I, I, like, I, I would, you know, I think, like, uh, I remember, like, telling people, like, the first Planet of the Apes is, like, a legitimately, like, beautiful movie. And people are like, what are you talking about? Like, no, go watch it again. It is, like, legitimately gorgeous. And uh, I'm right, of course. But, no, I, I would definitely encourage people to watch them. I think it's, they're, they're a lot of fun and, and really thought-provoking and, and just generally well-made. Even, even the lower-budget ones are, are still... Them being quite good movies that also track to track to the whims of hollywood cinema in a very interesting way of like this original movie that was sort of its own sci-fi tone piece that was really interesting that they that the studios said okay we'll just keep making these movies slightly cheaper uh until they stop hitting and they never kind of stop hitting and eventually they they have to pivot and they become uh they as the movies get lower in budget they kind of let the whoever's the person directing it kind of do whatever the fuck they want with it um which mostly in that era means making more interesting uh, choices cinematographically and then eventually you have the original 90s reboot of we don't give a shit make it look uh, a little interesting but otherwise nothing interesting can happen and therefore it's not a very interesting movie and then 
oh no, we're going to actually reboot this early 2000s style. And then slowly over the course of those rebooted movies, they let him do more and more interesting stuff as franchising becomes more, uh, they, they realize they need to build a universe and let things happen in that universe. Um, so I, yeah, I think they're, they're all quite good movies. Um, I, yeah, I can't, I was about to try and stand up for the, uh, Tim Burton one and I can't, yeah, it's, it's a good franchise and especially the earlier films, the earlier, uh, sequels to be the types of movies that me as someone who doesn't watch much, many old films, uh, or film, especially films from that era, like they're just so specific and weird, uh, but mostly all very good that, uh, they're definitely worth a watch. Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll agree with these guys. I want to thank everybody for taking this journey with me. I highly recommend watching these movies. I think the vast, I think the majority of them are quite good. Um, it might be surprising to someone who's only uh, familiar with sort of Star Wars, Star Trek stuff. Seek out the Planet of the Apes movies. You'll be pleasantly surprised, I think, by the uh, entries within. But um, thanks, everybody, for listening and following along. If you did, um, you can definitely follow us on Twitter see the latest articles on thepostrider.com email us about what you thought of this season at contact at thepostrider.com but yeah definitely let us know your thoughts and again thank you for listening Enjoying this podcast and wondering where you can find more intelligent and insightful content just like it? Just head over to thepostrider.com where you can find the latest opinion and analysis on politics, music, film, television, and a litany of other topics. In addition to our articles and podcasts, you can also check out our visual features like our Floor Fight Bracket, our 2024 Republican nomination draft, and in presidential election and midterm election years, a map with all of our analysis. And if you like what you read, you can subscribe to our newsletter and, if you're feeling generous, donate to the site so we can keep churning out the content you know and love. If you love the site so much that you want to write for it, drop us a line at contact at thepostwriter.com. We're always looking for new contributors and willing to read any pitch you may have. That's the great thing about The Postwriter. It's not just about us, it's also about you! So head over to thepostwriter.com and see if there's anything that piques your interest. We bet there is.